0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, come on, welcome in all of our locations right now, all of our campuses, everyone watching online. We're uh, we're so glad that you're with us today as we're concluding the I Love My Church series. And uh, you know, if you're on social media or you might have, Heard the rumor that there's a big announcement today at Celebration. How many of y'all heard the rumor? Well, what happened was I was in Green Bay last weekend on the sidelines for the LSU football game, and they realized that I needed to coach the team. And so, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I'm moving. I'm transitioning. I'm just kidding. Now, now I'm just gonna come right out and uh, and give you what that news is. But before I do, I, I want to say this. You know, our, our mission here at Celebration is leading people to experience a God-first life. How many of you believe that's important? It's important that that's, our mission's uh, important uh, because it, it deals with eternal consequences. And our vision to fulfill that miss, mission, which what we've been talking about in this I Love My Church series, is that we want people to know God and find freedom. And discover their purpose and make a difference. That's what the growth track is about today. I think class two is, on, is helping you uh, start the process of finding freedom in your life. And so, if those things are important to you, if you want other people to know God and find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference, then you're really going to like this announcement, okay? If that's not that important to you, you'll be like, oh, well, you know, what's you know, what's, that's not too big of a deal or whatever. But let me tell you, um, uh, just a, a little bit of the history of our church in a nutshell. Um, 18 years ago, did you know that the church as a whole, we turned 18 years old just a couple of weeks ago, the last weekend, uh, in August, 18 years old. Can you believe that? Y'all are shocked because, like, you see pictures the first couple of me the first couple of years of the church. You're like, "Man, you haven't aged at all!" Like, <laughs> you know. And uh, so, so 18 years ago, there were seven of us on the initial launch team, and many of you know the story. And We did these homemade uh, flyers and invitations out of Microsoft Pub Windows 98, baby. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, we, we got all these invitations out to everywhere and it basically said, hey, look, if you need God in your life and you don't have a church, come to this gym and, uh, we'll help you out. That was kind of the, the summary of, of the mailer there and of the flyers that we handed out. And, uh, we had about 150 people over the month of, of September, the first month of the church, uh, come into that gym and out of those 150 people, 100 people surrendered their lives to Jesus, and we baptized 89 of them in the Jacksonville Country Day School <laughs> right over there, okay? So that's how, how how God started celebration. And then for the last 18 years, we've done our best uh, to follow God and say yes to him and obey him and you know, we do life together. The The great thing about the church now being 18 years old, it's awesome because you see now kids that grew up in children's ministry and in the youth group and, and now they're in the college and you, and you see this multi-generational thing happening which is so, so important to us. Many of you remember the vision that God gave me two years ago about reaching the next generation, which is why I think we're in the position that we are today and what I'm about to share with you. But over the last 18 years, we've worked very hard at at saying yes to God and building the church. And over these 18 years, God has enabled us uh, to build a multi-campus church. We have four Florida locations. And in our locations, including the arena, we have approximately 4,100 seats, okay? We have about 2,500 in here. And then the other campuses uh, have a total of about 1,600, 4,100 seats per service, that we're able to get people to, so that's why if you do multi services, three, four, five services, and with kids and everybody, we can run about twelve thousand people on the weekend. That's probably what we'll run this weekend here at Celebration, and uh, yeah, So come on, let's give God a hand for that. Isn't that awesome? And uh, He's been, He's been, uh, He's been so faithful. And I, I, as I look back, I, I see how God has blessed us so many times, not because of us, but in spite of us, especially in spite uh, of me. And, uh, and God has been so good to us. And you know, many of you know, we see thousands and thousands of people uh, come to Jesus here at Celebration uh, every single year. There's going to be people just like last night. There'll be people today that give their lives to Jesus for the first time. And I want you to remember that the Bible says that all heaven rejoices when just one lost person comes to Jesus, amen? <laughs> and, and, and back to the beginning, that was one of the reasons why we called the church Celebration Church. We want this place to be a house of God where we're cooperating with heaven week in and week out and celebrating with heaven with all the people that come to know Jesus. And then, of course, we start them on the process and obey Jesus and and making disciples where they can know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. So what we have in front of us this next year in 2017, not vague things, very solid things, very doable things if we cooperate with God, okay? We're gonna be able to do more in one year than the previous eighteen years combined, okay. And here's here's how this has happened. It, it just so happens that this year, that God has has given us the opportunity to uh, expand with basically six new churches and campuses. Those. Or five of the six, because one's international. I'll talk about that in a second. Five of the six here in Florida, and watch, with the facilities that those campuses and locations have, that will add an additional 4,400 seats per service where we can reach and disciple people. So watch, in one year, we are set up for God to do more in one year than the previous 18 years combined. It took us 18 years to get 4,100 seats. And in one year, we can add 4,400 seats. Remember, that's per service, okay? That's each service. So when you do multiple services, Saturday nights and Sunday night and Sunday mornings, you can see the multiplied impact of that. And so that is the announcement, and what I wanted to introduce to you today are the campus pastors and church pastors of all these new celebration churches that we're gonna open up next year in Jesus' name. So I want you guys to come on up, let's put them up there, I want you to come on up, come on up, Layton and Petey and Clay and Carlos, you guys come on up. Come on, give them a hand everybody, give them a big, big, big hand. Right up here. Awesome, awesome. I was thinking, I mean, look at these couples. No, this isn't our modeling team. These are our pastors. I mean, but, but I want you to, th- this is how awesome this is for me as a pastor. And I'll, I'll just unpack that in just a second. But look, remember two years ago, when I said church, God's told us to go to war. He's told us to go to the war for the youth, our students, the next generation. And uh, since that time, God has been doing so many things. And as we have been obedient to that, you know why this is possible today? Because all of these men and women of God for the last two years have been discipling and pulling up the next generation and preparing them and pulling them up where now they can be in the the place. Leading riot and sub 30 and these different things where they were. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's, that's next gen, that's legacy. We're a sending church. We pull up and we send out. So many of y'all know them real quick. You know, Leighton and Hannah, they've been here almost four years. They've done an amazing job. Hadn't Leighton done an amazing job with our riot. And uh, I mean, all these guys, can these guys preach or what? Just remember. Just remember, when they preach on Sunday and people are walking out saying, Kyle's an awesome message, Kyle, Just remember to tell that person, you know, Pastor Stovall taught them everything <laughs> that they know. But they're just such tremendous communicators. Now, now, Petey is gonna be pastoring our Midtown Jacksonville campus. He's still gonna be here. He's still over the college. Uh, he's done such an amazing job with the college and our offices and our college. College is up and going over there but we're gonna be opening up Sunday services back at our Midtown location. We have 80,000 square feet for the colleges and that sanctuary. Petey and Farah are gonna lead that, and uh, he's just done an amazing job. And you know here at Celebration Church, you do good with the two talents. Well, then you're gonna get more. You get a lot more responsibility. You don't get any more money, but I do give you more, okay? And so, so and y'all know Clay and Bethany, huh? What amazing. Oh, let me go back here, let me just do it this way. Okay, (laughs) let me just tell y'all where y'all are going because I see y'all are looking up there, okay? So obviously, Leighton and Hannah are going to Fort Lauderdale, they're gonna pastor our Celebration Fort Lauderdale location. We're going down there tonight. You know, there's, We've been down there for six months doing worship nights. We already have a launch team of about 100 people. We have an amazing facility for January. So we're gonna be doing Sunday nights, building that launch team. And then uh, on January 29th, we're launching Sunday morning with Celebration Fort Lauderdale. And come on, how many of you know we only have to look to Orlando to see how quickly God bless Celebration Orlando, Right. So, so Petey and Fair will be here and, uh, and Clay, are you ready for this? Clay and Bethany are going over to Northern Ireland. How about that? Now, now, now y'all know big John Scott pastors our celebration Northern Ireland church. We already have two locations over there. He's done an amazing job, uh, raising up that church, getting all the foundation ready. It has four or 500 people that go over there. But but through talking with John, we just feel in this next season, uh, Pastor John, Big John's gonna be coming back here and he's gonna be leading all of our international missions and teams and taking a lot of the, what he's learned over there and helping us more on a global and international scale. So Big John is coming back here. Uh, Clay and Bethany are going over to Northern Ireland, not only to take over the two campuses we have there, but we're launching a third campus in downtown Belfast. So come on, give them a hand for that. And and then Carlos and Courtney, right here, they have served. Come on, OP, I know the people over at OP, y'all need to give them a, a big hand. They've been serving faithfully Uh, out uh, at Orange Park for the last 10 years. Just amazing servants, amazing leaders. And Carlos is gonna be uh, starting Celebration Amelia Island. We have an amazing uh, historic church right in downtown Fernandina. We'll be kicking off services there again at the end of January. There's already a launch team uh, being built out there. And so we have Celebration Amelia. Of course, Celebration... Northern Ireland with the new Belfast campus. We have PD with a lot more responsibility, not making any more money. Uh, adding adding the Midtown campus to, to the college there. And then of course Leighton and Hannah going down to Fort Lauderdale. How about that? And uh But, but before, I, we're, we're gonna pray for him real quick, but I want you to just remind everybody, especially you guys out at OP, remember, uh, Pastor James is gonna be pastoring our brand new West Side Orange Park campus. You can see up there construction. Construction begins spring or summer, and I'm, I'm gonna talk about when it's gonna begin or, or kind of what will make that uh, begin for the build out of that warehouse. And then look, I, I think y'all can see Pastor Josh Orlando is starting their second campus next year. How about that, huh? So so just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Orlando almost had 1,800 people, two years. Almost 1,800, they're out of room. They're out of room where they are. And so listen, we're not, talking about those seats, we're not counting Belfast because that's international. But with Fort Lauderdale, the Orlando Second Campus, Amelia Island, Midtown, and Westside OP, ready for this? 4,400, 4,400 new seats. Remember, when I say seat, and you got to think, you're a person in that seat right now. 4,400 seats in one year. It's taken us 18 years to build 4,100 seats. God's gonna do more in one year than the previous 18 years combined. That's historic, man. That is historic. You guys, go ahead. Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down real quick, because cause I, wanna, I wanna do this. Could y'all just, um, Courtney, if you could go that way. Y'all just follow. I just wanna show this screen here real quick uh, before we pray. Just stay right there. We're gonna. Oh, there we go. Okay. Now listen, can I give you a heart for the house update real quick? Okay. What you see up there, okay, that is the remaining cost for these projects. Orange Park, when you see that 400,000, that's just the remaining deposit to secure uh, the warehouse that we have so that we can begin construction. But if you look up there, look, 400,000, 100,000, you see those numbers there? Orlando's more than 200,000. We're just helping them a little bit. Josh, we've already got margin down there where they can finance their own campuses. Come on, how about that? We just wanna, wanna help them a little bit because it's so soon. But look at this. this. Tell me if this isn't kind of a God thing. Okay, look, look. Do you know our heart for the house this year, what was pledged was 2.4 million dollars. You know what's been given so far? Seven hundred thousand dollars. So what are we behind, or what's the gap there? One million seven hundred thousand dollars. Guess what? All of these campuses just happen to add up to one point seven million dollars. Now understand: some people move, and people's financial situations change. But the reason that that we can usually come pretty close or even exceed our pledges because new people join in heart for the house throughout the year. Heart for the house is our over and above. We need the tithe just to do regular ministry, all the things that we're doing. Heart for the house is our over and above giving, giving over and above the tithe, right? Because we have a heart for what? For God's house. We understand that, look, we're, we're, we're expanding God's House. We're being obedient to establishing these hubs in other cities and building gates around those hubs. Okay, and I want to just say, well, let me get one scripture and we'll pray. Do we have a scripture up there? Okay, we're back. Here we go. Oh, go back to the painting. Well, yeah, go back to the painting. You remember the card players? Three hundred million dollars—the second most expensive painting in the entire world. What? Three hundred million. Right. How much do you think it would sell if it was like this? It's incomplete. The person would say, well, you know, it's really gonna be a great masterpiece. We just, we need this last piece to come into place here. Okay, now show that scripture. Look, for we are what? Who's God's masterpiece? We, the church. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so what, who? Not them, not some, not people who have more money, not this, not that, not the spiritual people. We, everybody has a part to play, so we can do the what? Good things, are these good, where are those campuses? Put those, put those guys up there, look at that. Are these good things right here? Are these, are these churches good things? Jesus loves his church. So we can do these good things that God has planned for us to do. Now listen, here's the deal. I'm talking in faith this morning, but we do not have that $1.7 million. It is a gap. So what I'm asking is please, if everyone would pray, you would be amazed at a church our size. Listen, just just. Of being obedient to God, stilling yourself, and listening to what God's telling you on the inside. If we all do our part, I'm telling you, everyone is a part of the puzzle of the picture. We're going to raise that 1.7 million dollars in the next four months. You know, I was listening uh, the other night, uh, and they said one of the political parties. Are you ready for this? Raised 200 million dollars. In a month, what are they gonna do that? Do with that $200 million? Spend it on commercials to spew venom at the other candidate. Both of them do that, 200 million. Church, can we raise $1.7 million to plant six churches that are gonna change people's lives for eternity? Come on, man. So, we can do this. It's a stretch. It's not a huge stretch. If we're just obedient to God, you might say, "Stuff, oh, we're expanding too fast and all that kind of stuff. Listen, this is not about my ego. This is not about us just expanding for expansion's sake. This is about God preordaining this, us following Him in a process. All of our pastors are ready, all of our teams are ready. The, the amount that we need was actually pledged at the beginning of the year. Do you see? From the beginning of the year, this is the year of Jubilee. It really is. It's the year of the Lord's favor. And I want us to be a part. Listen, here's a question. I was going to talk about this in the message. I'll talk about it right now. And then I'm going to preach the fastest message you've ever heard. Have you ever thought about this? Are you blessable? Not are you lovable. God loves you. He loves all of us. Are you blessable? You know how you become blessable? You obey God and you get in on what God is blessing. And I don't know how to make this any more clear. God has done his part. He has set it up and he's saying to our church, look, you do your part, you give. I'm not telling you what to give. I'm telling you to pray. If you have a pledge, if you can fulfill it, then fulfill that. If you're not given to heart the house, then Pray what can you give? If you don't know what to give, just come talk to me and just tell me everything that you got. I'll tell you what what we can sell, what we can pawn. uh, We'll get it going. (laughs) Are y'all ready to pray? Let's pray right now. Father, we love you so much, God. And Lord, we just thank you for these men and women of God, Lord, these sons and daughters in the house. Lord, we thank you for all the people that they have raised up, Lord, to have their season here at Riot and Sub-30 and all of the ministries that they've been so awesome and faithful in, Lord. And we just bless them. Lord, we thank you that you have already made a way. And we just thank you for all the souls that are going to be saved, all the people that are going to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference for you, Jesus, in this next season through these new locations. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen and amen. Come on, give them a hand clap, everybody. And <laughs> as, they, as they go down, listen, after the service, Orange Park and uh, Jolington Creek, there'll be uh, booths out there where you guys are as well but they're gonna be out in the lobby. You'll see their banners, and so maybe you know someone in these areas. Maybe, you know, I, I guarantee you if you have kids, these, uh, these people have ministered to your kids. Maybe you just wanna give them a hug, thank them. I have given them permission to beg for money as you pass by, so just be prepared for that. But they're, they're gonna be around. They're not obviously not all, you know, rolling out. Petey's here for good, but uh, <laughs> um, they're gonna be around, but please stop by the booths out there and uh, maybe you want information, you have friends in those areas, okay? All right, can I have, how much time do I have? 15 minutes, 15 minutes? Are y'all, are y'all gonna give me the look because the Jags, who's going to the Jags game today? All right, <laughs> all right. And I might've just got some permission there. I only make six or seven people mad. So <laughs> we're gonna do it fast, ready? Okay, let me show you this from the apostle Paul. Here we go. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven. Paul says this, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, look at this, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ works in me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I want to take just a few moments today, church, and I want to talk to you about purpose, weakness, and worship. Purpose, weakness, and worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, for these next 15 minutes, Lord, say what you want to say. Help us to lean in, Lord. Give us hungry hearts, God. I know if, if we will understand what you're saying here, what your word says, Lord, it can really change our lives and set us on a different path with a different perspective. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let's uh look at this scripture here. Psalm 92, 13, we're kind of concluding the I Love My Church series today. Verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Everybody say planted. Everybody say flourish. So this is real important. This is obviously talking about the church, okay? Those who are planted, not those who casually come, not those who are here every now and then, Not those who have just kind of, you know, added Jesus or church as kind of part of their lives when it's convenient. But it says those who really plant themselves in God's house, these are the people that are going to flourish. I like to remember this. In the courts. Of our God, you know what? One, I get this question all the time, and I just want to know God's plan for my life. I just want to know God's plan for my life. Listen, here's God's plan for your life: get planted in a local church, because when you get planted, God's plans. Look at this, God's plans. That's what courts courts speak of design. Courts speak of plans. God wants you to flourish in life. He has a plan for your life. But look at this, that plan is connected to you being planted in God's house. Are you blessable? Are you blessable? God wants to bless you where your life flourishes, but the condition for that is that you're planted in his house. And here's how I like to say that, whoop, whoop, whoop. Your purpose is connected to where you're planted. That's why your local church is so important. It is so, so important. Your purpose is connected to where you're planted. Now, I'm I'm gonna show you why right here. Look at this. God develops his purpose in you before he reveals his plan for you. He develops his purpose in you before he reveals his plan for you. You're planted in God's church. You're hearing the word of God. God is working on the inside of you. He's developing his purpose on the inside of you. He is preparing you for the plan that he has for your life. Do you see? Look at this. Philippians 2.13, God is working in you. Everybody say, "In in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. How many of you, um, your, your work or your career or whatever, it involves partners, it involves being in a partnership with, with somebody else, okay? Wouldn't you agree with me that any successful work where it involves partners or a team, there has to be cooperation between those partners? Am I right? If any work is gonna be successful, there has to be a cooperation with the partners, if you'd ask me, Stovall, I just don't know what God is doing in my life. Nothing's happening. I don't know what God's doing in my life. I'm telling you what God's doing in your life. He's working in you right now. And here's the challenge that we have as followers of Christ, especially here in the West or here in America. We are so focused on what we want God to do for us that we neglect giving the attention to what God's doing in us. And the thing is, before God does something for us, God needs to do something in us. Are you following me on this? So we're constantly, look, we're just constantly, God, will you do this? God, will you do that? God, I need you to, to do this instead of having the right perspective of saying, God, what are you, what are you doing in me? Help me cooperate with what you're doing in me be, because before you do something for me, you're gonna do something in me. God's purpose is developed in you before he does something for you. So let's stop putting so much. Yes, ask God for things. Believe God for things, absolutely. But let's remember this, that look, when God is ready to give you what he wants to give you, he will give it to you if you can handle it, if you're prepared for it. Are you following me? Let me, let, and, and, and let me show you how this connects even more. Look at this. Here's, here's the apostle Paul, okay? He says this. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, okay? Interesting. And, uh, let me paraphrase this. Not that I speak in regard to God doing things for me. Even though I need God to do the things for me, I'm not really talking about that right now with what I'm about to lay out for you. Not that I was speaking in regard to need, but look, for I have learned in whatever state, everybody say whatever state. I have learned in whatever state to be content. I have learned in whatever state. Think about that. Whatever state to be content. This is a challenge for all of us, including me. It is so easy for us not to be content. And the reason that we're not being content is because we are focusing on the needs on what we want God to do for us instead of cooperating and allowing what God wants to do in us so let me kind of explain how this happened the latest episode of this happened in my life so you know as you you guys remember uh you know two years ago we planted orlando we had moved in the in this building and there seems like man there were these just these great opportunities remember there was regency there was this other thing out at Orange Park on the West Side, there, there were all these things, and uh, man, I, I was I was excited. You know, uh, just so you'll know about me, how I'm wired. Um, I love I love planning churches. I love seeing young couples. That energizes me way more than preaching or being on a stage in front of people. I love pulling up the next generation and seeing them preach and them pastor and them step into what God. Is doing. I mean, that's how I'm wired. And so I know that that's part of who I am and who Celebration Church is. We're Ascending Church. And so when it got into last year, man, it was like everything was falling through. Nothing was happening. And I got in this mindset like, God, I need you to do this. What am I saying? God, I need you to do this for me. I'm focusing on the four what God 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 do this for me, do this for us, do this for this it, and it got to the point with all these things falling through. I became really discouraged, and I started asking myself questions like maybe maybe I'm the problem i don't I don't want to be a lid on our church, you know maybe it, it's time for me to kind of step back and 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 see another way that the church can move forward because I understand that what I am a part of is much bigger than the role I play. I play a role here at Celebration Church, but God's church, his house and what he wants to do, what I'm a part of, it's much bigger than the role I play. So I started processing this, like maybe I'm the lid, maybe, you know, I don't wanna be a leadership lid God. So I was in prayer and I was anxious and I wanted God to do these things for me, and the Holy Spirit just said, Stovall, be still. He said, be still. He said, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on what you want me to do for you, and by doing that and being anxious about it, you're missing what I'm trying to do in you. I want you, and this is a scripture he gave me, be still and know that I'm God. You know. Here's what God was telling me. You be still, you focus on cooperating with what I'm doing in you, what I'm developing in you. I'm gonna take care of the for you. Know, know that I'm God. I've got this. This is my church. You know, I'm God. Just submit to the process. Too many times, instead of submitting to the process, we neglect the process, and we stay in a mode of frustration and discontentment. So what happens? I say, all right, Lord, that's, that's it. And I just started, God, what are you doing to me? I gave all those things to God. Just just moving forward. I really felt like I got free in those things. It was still part, you know, but I was free even with those challenges and all that. Now fast forward a year later. God's not doing one or two. God's doing six celebration churches because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly all above that we could think or ask but what God needed me to do before he could do that, he needed me to submit to the process because God develops his, person, his purpose in us before he executes his plans for us. Come on, can you give God a hand for that? So, so, so look, look at this right here. Now let's go back to what Paul said. I'm wrapping it up, my first closing. Are y'all ready? First closing. Back to what Paul said. Let me pull out two of these scriptures. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Look, Paul says this. Three different times I beg the Lord to take it away. That thorn in the flesh. Three different times I beg the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad, look at this, to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You know, I looked up this word Weakness here. Let me give you a definition of this word weakness. Are you ready? Weakness, a feebleness or frailty of the mind, of the body, of the emotions, or of the soul. Listen to this. Some people would tell me, oh, it's just a sickness or whatever. That's not what the word, that's not what it says. Listen to this. Weakness, physically or morally physically or morally. Morally, a lack of strength to restrain certain corrupt desires. It doesn't say you act upon those desires, but it says there's a lack of restraint for these corrupt desires that tempt you, that if you're not careful, could drive you. Listen to this. A lack of strength to bear trials, troubles, or ongoing disappointments. You have something happen in your life, something's going on in your life, it's a weight, it's a drain, it's an ongoing, it's like it's a weakness to your life. You look at that thing like this is limiting me. But what we don't realize is that what we think is a limitation, God could actually be using for liberation to bring you deeper into his purposes. Okay, so watch, oh, so, so do you see this? So this is encouraging, look, this is, this is encouraging. What did Paul do? He does what we do. Something's in our life, or we've got this issue that we don't like, Paul does what we does. God, take it away. Lord, give me relief. God, you've shown me heaven. I've got all these great revelations. This thing, this thorn that's in my flesh, this, this thing that's tormenting me, whatever that thing was, physically, uh, mentally, a temptation. I, I don't know what, the, the the you can't get over something. Whatever that thing was, this thing is tormenting me, God. And Paul's vision for freedom was a life without the thorn. And what God said was, no, Paul, I'm gonna give you freedom with the thorn, not from the thorn. I'm gonna give you freedom in it, not out of it, with it, not from it. And what Paul realized through all of this, guess what? That the grace of God is greater than his weakness. Now, let me talk, let me talk to, to, to us real quick about this. See, because especially in spirit-filled churches, you know what our mindset is? Our mindset is anything that's bringing disappointment, discouragement, pain, whatever. You know what we look at that? We look at that as something we need to, God to get out. Lord, take this desire away from me. What if God wants you to know him with the desire? See, here's what he's teaching Paul. That's why Paul was able to give that contentment verse later on. Here's what he's gonna teach Paul. Paul, you can be in touch with your weakness, but not be driven by it. You can be in touch with your pain, but not be driven by it. You can be in touch with your regret, but not be driven by it. You know what we want in in spirit-filled circles? You know what we want? We wanna be full Fill us up, Lord. Satiate us, God. Lord, and here's what our definition of fill us up is. Lord, you fill us up with all of you, so anything that I don't like is gone. But the Bible says this, God's given us the spirit as a deposit. We're not gonna be fully satiated with God and joy until the other side of heaven. We have a deposit. Here's what I'm trying to say. You can be free with the glass half full. You can have liberty even though there's a limitation. And what God will do is this, God will use those things in your life to bring you to a greater degree of trust in him so that you'll stop focusing so much on the for me and start focusing on God, what are you doing in me? Let God develop those purposes in you. He's got it. Be still and know that he's God. So here's what I mean by that. So let's say you came out of a crazy lifestyle, just all kind of crazy. You know, like people like Pastor Chris doing all kind of bad, crazy things. So, so you, come out, you come out of that lifestyle, what, you come into God's kingdom. Guess what? All of a sudden, man, there's desires. You don't want to act upon them. But God, I have this, there's this desire, there's this thing, there's this, why am I attracted to this? Why does this thing still have a pull on me like that? God, take it away. Maybe you beg God like Paul did. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. I wanna present this to you. Maybe it'll be taken away, but maybe... God's saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you. And if you will submit to the process and what I'm doing in you, even though you might be in touch with that, you will not be driven by that. And you can find liberty in your limitation. That is good (laughs) preaching right there. (laughs) Liberty in the limitation. I know you're going to steal this message, Clay Baird, and preach it in Belfast. <laughs> or let's say something's happened to you as a, as a young person and you just have this thing in your past and it keeps coming up and coming up and you're, you're following the word and you're resisting those thoughts and all that kind of stuff, but this thing just kind of follows you. And you're like, God, take it away. God, take it away. What if God's saying, look, even though you're going to be in touch with that, it's not gonna master you. Even though that you're in touch with that, you can still find liberty in that limitation. I want you to let me do a deep work where you find out my grace is sufficient for you in every limitation. Think about the life of the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. If I was in prison, you talk about, some of you are like, yeah, that's where you should be. If I was in prison, (laughs) You talk about, I would, God, I'm not doing anything for you. I mean, I can, you can only witness to so many people in jail. Like, get me out of here. Lord, there's a thorn in my life. There's a weight in my life. Get me out of here. Can you, did you, the apostle Paul, what he didn't realize is that no, what God was doing in him, and because he submitted to that process and didn't allow himself to get frustrated and discontent, he was able to write a third of the New Testament in a time where he had major limitation. What he didn't realize was, if he didn't have that limitation, he wouldn't have written all those letters, and we wouldn't be clapping and hollering 2,000 years later, preaching what he said. ready for this? Look, this word boast, boast in the Greek, the Greek word, it's the same root word as hallelujah in the Hebrew. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, look, you can find a hallelujah in your weakness. When that thing's there, you can say hallelujah, God, in this weakness, it's gonna be awesome because I'm gonna find out that your grace is all that I need. So I'm gonna, from now when I think of my weakness, I'm not even calling it a weakness. I'm calling it a hallelujah. I'm saying glory to God. Lord, because here's what I know. If I'll turn my weakness into worship with a hallelujah, you'll turn my sadness into strength because your strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm almost done. I'm just gonna reference this. Genesis 29, 16 through 30. Do you know what this is the story of? This is the story of Jacob when he goes to get a wife. Some of you are familiar with the story, some, some of you aren't. I'm just gonna paraphrase it real quickly. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob ends up having his name changed by God to Israel. He who's governed by God, oh, that's a whole nother message. Well, remember Jacob after he wrestled with God? He was discontented. He finally allowed God to do in him. What happened? God touched his hip. He had that limp, that limitation for the rest of his life. But it was that episode where he got that limitation that brought him into liberation because he knew that God would be all that he needed. He had the sea stop running. Okay, I'm getting off course. So anyway, Isaac sends Jacob, or his mom does, go go get a wife over there from your uncle Laban's house. Okay, it's all, you know how it was back then, all kind of cousins, third cousins, you know, we're not gonna, it's Bible time, just, we're moving on. So anyway, so Jacob goes over there, man, he sees one of Laban's daughters, her name is Rachel. And the Bible says that Rachel was pretty and had a shapely figure. Whenever you see things in the Bible, like shapely figure, that's uh, the street language for that. She's hot, man. That was a hot chick over there. <laughs> so man, he, he loves Rachel. So he tells, uh, and, and then Rachel had a sister. Her name was Leah. And the Bible says that Leah had no sparkle in her eyes. In other words, Leah just wasn't doing it for him. You know what I'm saying? And so he says, look Laban, I'll work for you seven years. You give me your, uh, your daughter, Rachel. Laban's like, all right, he works for seven years. It's on their wedding night. So, you know, they get married, they go into the tent to consummate the marriage. And you know, things happen on your wedding night. And they were in the tent all night. And the Bible says when he woke up in the morning, he hadn't been consummating with Rachel, He'd been consummating with Leah. He woke up, it wasn't Leah. I mean, it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. (laughs) I think that's what happened when he saw who it (laughs) was. Which begs the question, which begs the question like I mean, was it that dark? She, you know, you can't, I mean, hey, who are you? Wait, what? Like, uh, what are you doing? Like, just looking away. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, but anyway, so he's all upset and he, and he goes to Laban and, you know, Laban had pulled a trick on him. Laban's like, well, here's how kind of works around here. You have to marry the older daughter before the younger. Leah's my oldest. so That's why, you know, I snuck her into your tent. Rachel's over there, by the way, but... Uh, you know, you finish your seven days of whatever with Leah, and then I'll give you Rachel as your wife. You can have both of them. I'm giving you a two-for-one two deal. Thanks, Dad. But you have to. You have to work for me another seven years. So if you read the story, okay, so, so he's got two wives. Now, how many of you sisters know there would be some serious drama if y'all married to the same man? I mean, you talk about a trial, a difficult circumstance. This is not what Jacob wanted. So, what happens is he's married to both, and you start reading about there's all kind of jealousy and stuff, and it becomes, you know, it, it initially this is a real burden to Jacob, and it's like it's something that he wants freedom from. It's not what he asked for. Leah is now limiting the vision that I had for my life with Rachel. But here's what we find out at the end of the story. Jacob is gonna be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. See, God had a plan. 12, the number of government. These are gonna be the 12 tribes of Israel. Did you know this? Of those 12 sons, Rachel gave him four. Leah gave him eight. In other words, The very thing that Jacob didn't want ended up being the very thing that brought the fulfillment of the promises of God in his life. Do you see? The very thing that he looked at first as a limitation ended up being the very thing he needed for God's plan to come to pass. Thank God, Jacob submitted to the process and allowed God to do his thing instead of just taking Rachel and sneaking off one night. Because here's what we don't understand. Many times, it's the things we don't want. It's the thorns we don't like. It's the pain we're still carrying. It's that thing in our life that we just wish would change. It's the thing in our life that we just wish we had relief from. Many times it's that very thing that God is using to develop his purpose in you. Because one day he wants to do a plan for you that's exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could think or ask. God perfects his purpose, the weakness. Jacob thought this was gonna be a weakness in his life. It was actually the very thing that God used to develop his purpose in him. God perfects his purpose in weakness. And here's the cool thing, you ready for this? At the end of Jacob's life, when he's about to die, you know what he says? He says, hey, go bury me by Leah. Go bury me by Leah. Because in hindsight, what Jacob realized was the very thing that initially he pushed away, initially he didn't want, that was the very thing that God used to bring the promise. Really, that started with Abraham, to bring that promise to pass. And oh, by the way, Through Leah, she had a son named Judah. Through Judah, a person was born. You might have heard of him. His name was Jesus. So without Leah, there would be no Jesus Are you following. Here's what I'm trying to say, church. Let's not always look at the things that we don't like and are disappointed. Let's look at those with a different filter and say, God, I submit to the process. Lord, I'm going to focus on what you're doing in me. Lord, I know you're going to bless me. I know you're going to do things for me, but God, I'm going to get my mind on you. I'm going to be blessable, God. I'm going to say yes to you. Father, we just come in Jesus' name. Please, I'm going to ask no one leave. Come on, just give God some worship right now. Take your weakness. Take your weakness and make it a hallelujah. Give God a hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.